0: Hello and welcome to Pilates Students Manual, a podcast helping you get the most out of your Pilates classes. I'm Olivia and I'll be your host. Join the conversation and share your thoughts on Instagram at Pilates Students Manual. You can support the podcast by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash oliviapodcasts. Let's learn something new. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the American College of Sports Medicine's guidelines for exercise testing and prescription and why that matters when we think about doing Pilates. So I had never heard of the ACSM, which is the acronym for the American College of Sports Medicine, and I didn't know what the exercise prescription was for adults. And so when I learned it, it was kind of eye-opening for me, both as someone who teaches a fitness modality like Pilates, but also as a person who does fitness modalities like Pilates, like yoga. And I want to share it with you because Pilates fits really well into this exercise prescription for adults. And It might also shine a light on some other things that you may want to do as well. So that's kind of the background for this episode is that this is cool and this is something that all adults are recommended to do. So let's talk about it. How does Pilates fit into this picture as well? So basically, the American College of Sports Medicine is this group of super smart individuals who get together every few years and they write out these guidelines. And guidelines are what many, many, many systematic reviews have said, and many, many research papers which were in those systematic reviews have said. And it's to the best of our knowledge, like the best information we have, the most widely tested information we have. And we use these guidelines or guideline based care to work with all different types of people. And this different type of people that we're looking at is adults. And this exercise prescription is for all adults, you know, age 18 and over. And it's what this group based on loads of research is saying, this is how much we should exercise every week. The guidelines for all adults, all, I would say all healthy adults who don't have other conditions potentially that may influence this, but for adults, it's 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio a week, or, and or I guess some combination of 75 minutes of high intensity cardiovascular exercise a week. So you can do 75 minutes of high intensity, 150 minutes of moderate intensity, or if you do, it's like every minute of... High intensity cardio is worth two minutes of moderate intensity cardio, but they recommend you do at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio. And how we rate what cardio is, is by something called the talk test. So if you're walking at a very leisurely pace and you can hold a conversation without any breaks to take a big breath of air, or you're not panting or anything, that's called low intensity exercise modern intensity exercises. You can still talk, but like every now and again, you have to take a little extra breath. So you might be walking pretty briskly. And then high intensity exercise is going to be, you can only get a few words out, but you're really spending most of your energy breathing. That's going to be high intensity. So we've got to do some of this cardiovascular work every week. They then recommend that you do two to three strength training sessions per week. And a strength training session is defined by them as working all the major muscle groups in the body to near fatigue. That's what they're calling a strength training session. First thing I thought when I heard that was, well, I am not meeting the physical activity guidelines for adults, right? It seems like a lot. Maybe it doesn't seem like a lot. Like two to three strength training sessions and then... 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio or 75 minutes of high intensity cardio. If you break it down, you've got your two to three sessions a week. And then that 150 minutes of cardio is either 30 minutes five days a week or 50 minutes three times a week, right? So it's not not doable. It's definitely doable, but it might be more than you find that you're already doing. Now, you might be wondering, well, why does that matter? Why do I care about that? It's cool that they think that that's good, but why do they think that that's good? And this is where it gets wild, my friends. Meeting the physical activity guidelines reduces all-cause mortality massively. So when I say all-cause mortality, I mean like literally any reason that you could die. Meeting those physical activity guidelines massively decreases your likelihood of dying of anything. The reasons for that include improving your cardiovascular and respiratory function because you're asking your heart to work harder, so it gets good at working harder. We reduce the possibility of getting cardiovascular disease It reduces those disease risk factors, decreases morbidity and mortality, decreases anxiety and depression, increases cognitive function, enhances physical function and independent living when you're an older adult, enhances overall feeling of well being, enhances quality of life, improves sleep quality and efficiency enhances performance of work, recreational, and sport activities, reduces risks of falls and injuries from falls in older adults, prevents or mitigates functional limitations in older adults, and is an effective therapy for many chronic diseases in older adults. There's extra benefit to being an older adult and exercising, but for adults of all ages, The best thing you can do for yourself is exercise, and the type of exercise you should do is anything that meets these physical activity guidelines. So that's all well and good, but how does Pilates fit into this? Because this isn't talking about Pilates specifically. This is talking about bigger than Pilates. This is talking about exercise. This is talking about strength training. So coming up after the break, let's talk about how Pilates fits into this puzzle. Hey there. Enjoying the podcast? Me too. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you get notified about new episodes. And visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcasts to support the show. There you can make a one-time donation or become a member with a donation of as little as $5 a month. Members get some awesome perks, including a shout-out in the next episode, a monthly newsletter, a monthly Zoom call with me, and more you can also visit links.oliviabioni.com slash affiliates and check out some sweet deals on products I use and love now back to the show the break, I dropped some knowledge about the physical activity guidelines, namely 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio or 75 minutes of high intensity cardio a week, plus two to three strength training sessions in which all major muscle groups of the body are worked to near fatigue. That's the general guidelines, but how does Pilates fit in? Well, as we know, there's a lot of different types of Pilates and you may have taken Pilates classes that were very gentle, more stretching, more slow movements that didn't get your heart rate up. Maybe you spent a lot of time close to the mat or you were doing more gentle movements on the reformer. Of course, that's going to be subjective because what's a gentle movement to someone may be a really intense movement to someone else. So, what that falls into in terms of a cardio range is like maybe that's not moderate intensity cardio if you're stretching on the reformer. Stretching on the reformer is awesome, but maybe it's not moderate intensity cardio, right? And maybe you take really high intensity reformer classes where you're running almost like a circuit and your heart rate is up and you're doing things with your arms and your legs. Like that can definitely qualify as a cardiovascular activity. Now, I'm not saying that Pilates has to be your cardio or that you need to take higher intensity Pilates classes in order to get the benefits. Where I really see Pilates fitting into our physical activity guidelines here is as a strength training session. So one of the things that I love about Pilates is that we don't often or ever work to absolute muscle failure. We aren't trying to do the hundred until we physically cannot lift our legs anymore and we collapse, right? You may have seen people in gyms kind of pushing themselves to the point that they drop the weight or they can't put the weight back up. And that's called working to failure. And we don't often work towards failure in Pilates. We usually do several repetitions, but we don't go until we are physically unable to go any further. So we're already potentially working to near fatigue, and if you're working with a Pilates teacher who uh, is aware of the guidelines, which is awesome, and we love Pilates teachers who are aware of the guidelines, they might be setting up their classes to be more of a strength training session because we know in our Pilates classes we work all of our body, and it usually happens in like a really flowing way where you're like, oh my gosh, the time just passes so quickly. But as you're going through these exercises, you are working your arms and your legs and your front body and your back body and your side body and your whole body, right? As you're going through the exercises. So Pilates can qualify as a strength training session if you are working all of your major muscle groups, which I'm pretty sure you are, and you're working them to near fatigue. Now you can do this intentionally in your Pilates classes, especially again, if you're having one-on-one sessions, you can say, hey, I would really love to meet the exercise guidelines because I learned on Pilates Student's Manual that when you meet the exercise guidelines, your likelihood of dying goes way down for like any reason, which is awesome, right? So Pilates could be qualified as a strength training session. And then depending on the type of cardio, like it could also be a cardiovascular activity and I don't even think necessarily that it could just be jump board classes that are cardiovascular. Like I've done some long stretch series on the reformer where you're just doing like a million planks and I'm like, yeah, my heart rate is definitely up. Like That is some sweat on my brow. Like that can also be it. I don't oftentimes find myself doing what I would call moderate or high intensity cardio in Pilates, especially just because we're lying down. For a lot of exercises, like your heart just doesn't have to pump blood as hard when you're lying down versus when you're standing up and your arms are overhead and you're jumping around, right? But Pilates can definitely fit into this picture of meeting the guidelines. And I've shared about this before, and I will keep sharing about it probably over and over again, is this idea that We can do just Pilates. Pilates can be what you do and you do all the time. And you could meet the physical activity guidelines doing Pilates, but you could also go for a brisk walk and do Pilates and meet your physical activity guidelines. The most important thing to remember with these guidelines is the importance of getting moving and how beneficial movement is. If Pilates is your movement, amazing, do it but also get in some cardio. And I say that to myself as well, because cardio is not my favorite flavor of exercise by any stretch of the imagination, but it is so good for our hearts, especially as we get older, but literally all the time to move and move frequently and move with some degree of intensity. The physical activity guidelines are a guide, and they're not a one-size-fits-all. Of course, there are always exceptions to the rule, but for healthy adults, even adults with a variety of other conditions, like you may have other stuff going on in your body, but the best thing you can do is to get active. And it doesn't have to happen overnight. You don't have to go from, oh my gosh, I'm doing zero minutes of cardio. Well, tomorrow I'm going to do 150 minutes. Like that's not the goal either, but to do a little bit every day or several times a week to move and groove will go a long way in making your overall well-being a little bit better. And that's not me. I mean, it's also me. I'm definitely saying that, but also (laughs) that's what the guidelines say, and it's, backed up with lots and lots of research. It's like we have difficulty di- like agreeing on things in general, but the jury is not out. The jury is in and exercise is good, and Pilates is a vital part of that exercise as well. It's on my to-do list to get more cardio in more meaningful ways. I'm trying to find a method of cardio that I don't hate. I had a friend who said, oh my gosh, I love swimming. And I was like, I don't even know if I know how to swim. But the benefits are definitely there. And I love decreasing all-cause mortality. So let's all get on that guideline train. Huge thank you to some new supporters of the podcast. Thank you to Jamie and Rose. So glad to have you as part of the project. The newsletter for August just went out. So if you're looking at scheduling a coffee chat, I look forward to chatting with you soon. Hope you have a great couple weeks and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Pilates Students Manual, a podcast helping you get the most out of your Pilates classes. Be sure to check out the podcast Instagram at Pilates Students Manual and subscribe wherever you're listening. Interested in teaching Pilates too? Check out Pilates Teacher's Manual, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope to see you next episode. Until next time.